Have you ever sat through a meal that was just so awkward? Maybe your father said something inappropriate and your sister called him out on it. Or someone made an announcement that shocked the room and stopped all conversation. Or maybe there was a giant elephant that no one knew how to address. Like the political climate, for instance? It's easy to wax poetic about the ways the table builds community and unites us to one another. But it doesn't take long to recognize that the table is not always a place of tranquility. Even so, the table is an important place for pursuing peace. I'd love to tell you what that means. Welcome to Kitchen Meditations, a weekly podcast from Edible Theology, where we examine the ways God meets us in the kitchen and at the table. I'm your host, Kendall Vanderslice. If you're hungry for a taste of God's hope and healing in the mundane tasks of your everyday life, then you've come to the right place. May these meditations bring you a bit of grounding as you prepare to eat today and every day. Let's get started with a spiritual mise en place, a prayer to orient ourselves before we begin. In the professional kitchen, mise en place is the process of preparing your workspace for the dishes you're about to make. It involves measuring your ingredients and reading your recipe all the way through, so that when the table conversation stalls, you can blame it on the fact that everyone is focused on the perfectly delicious meal you prepared I like to think of it as a time to prepare my own mind and body as well, asking God to be present with me as I cook or as I bake. Our spiritual mise en place today is drawn from a Taizé chant called the Kingdom of God. Slow your breathing. Now as you breathe, repeat with me. Inhale. The Kingdom of God is justice and peace. Now as you exhale and joy in the Holy Spirit. Before COVID altered the rhythms of our worship, my church used to take the longest time for the passing of the peace. If you're unfamiliar with the term, in some liturgical traditions, the passing of the peace is a part of the service that takes place between the sermon and communion. It's a time to make amends with anyone you need to in the congregation so that you can approach the table in good faith. But it's also a time to greet others and remember that the church is all of us together. If your church has a time of greeting, it's a similar concept. In most of the churches I have visited, and I have visited a lot, the passing of the peace is about a minute long. You're expected to greet just the people in the seats immediately around you. You shake hands and say, the peace of Christ, or peace be with you then turn back to the altar for the rest of the service. But at my church, we did not see the need for such self-restraint. Each week at the passing of the peace, every person in the church would wander the sanctuary until they'd passed the peace to every single person present. It was a peace-giving, joy-spreading, slightly awkward madhouse that went on for about 10 minutes. 
have I passed the peace to you yet? Someone would ask. Oh, I can't remember, but we can't have too much peace. Someone else would respond. This week is the second week of Advent, the theme of which is peace. It's a term that gets thrown around a lot, but I worry that the way it's thrown around often fails to capture the richness and the challenge of the peace offered by Christ. The idea of peace used to make me uncomfortable. I thought of it as the absence of conflict, as a gentle, calm presence, as a tender, soft-spoken woman quieting the ruckus all around her. The concept of peace felt like it had little space for me, a woman who is large and loud and intense and opinionated and oftentimes pretty anxious, too. I value thoughtful dialogue and even get a rise out of a challenging conversation. I felt these personality traits contradicted the gentility of peace. Until one day, when I was struck by the imagery of peace like a river. Not peace like a tranquil pond, not peace like a gentle stream, peace like the rushing, crashing surge of water which bends and shapes the landscape around it as it flows. Peace that's sometimes a little bit uncomfortable and maybe even scary. Peace that demands something of us when it pushes through. Peace that shapes us and forms us while smoothing out our sharp edges, too. In Christian tradition, we pass the peace before approaching the Lord's table because we believe that the table binds us together in miraculous ways. At the table, we say to everyone else, I need you. This peace offered by Christ, the peace we focus on this week, is not a tranquil pond or a gentle stream. It is not the absence of conflict at all costs. Christ's peace goes hand in hand with the justice of Christ too. Let there be peace and justice throughout the land, the psalmist sings. Let justice roll on like a river, declares the prophet Amos not unlike the prophet Isaiah's imagery for peace. When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, the book of Proverbs says. The injustice of the world is overwhelming right now. Here in the United States, it plagues our criminal justice system, coddling some and condemning others. It is present in unequal access to healthcare and education and unequal treatment in the workplace. What does it look like to be a people who pursue peace today? Can there be any real peace right now while we wait for Christ's return? I do believe that Christ binds us together at the communion table. But I also believe that Christ chose a table, a meal to remember him, because the table itself holds a unique capacity to shape our relationships. I've spent the past seven years researching the ways relationships are formed around the table. I've done this in part by eating a whole lot of meals with strangers at churches across North America, breaking bread with people who are very different from myself, even with people who doubt the validity of my faith or who demean my approach to ministry. Many of these meals have been awkward. I mean, it is kind of strange to have a researcher sitting at your table, And it's kind of strange to be the researcher sitting at a table, too. 
but I've built lots of sweet relationships in the process. This research has made me a firm believer that when we sit at the table with people unlike ourselves and commit to storytelling and uncomfortable conversations, we take the first steps towards the justice that allows for true peace. I don't mean this in some romantic sense, where the table just causes all differences to fall away. I imagine you've ground your teeth through a painful conversation at the table before. It's not that the table inoculates us from the ability to hurt one another or to be hurt by one another. But the table does have a unique capacity to help us enter into fraught conversations. The physical barrier of the table between people releases some of the charge, helping us feel a bit more protected than we might just standing across from one another with our entire body exposed. It levels our line of vision, which is valuable to me as someone who is quite short and can feel minimized in the presence of others who are much taller than myself. At the table, our hands and our bodies have something to do, which helps us orient ourselves in this space and feel a touch more free to engage. And at a table where everyone consumes the same food, we are united by the very items that we eat. It's this dynamic that lends boldness to your sister when she calls out your dad, or that creates the vulnerable space to share the news that leaves everyone in silence. Sure, the fallout might be awkward or uncomfortable or even hurtful, but the table itself has created the venue where these topics can be broached. When we approach the table with a mutual commitment to care for one another, these fraught conversations enable us to hear and learn from those who sit with us. They help us understand how to advocate on one another's behalf. They teach us how to love well, how to work towards the justice that enables true peace. I'm not saying we're going to walk away singing kumbaya, that everything will be okay, that the injustice of our healthcare and education and criminal justice systems don't matter as long as we have some vague sense of love. But over time, like the river gliding past rocks and softening their edges, we will be softened and strengthened and transformed through our relationships to one another that empower us and our shared pursuit of justice and peace. We can rest in the knowledge that the ultimate peace and ultimate justice are found in Christ. In Christ's entrance into humanity 2,000 years ago, Christ's defeat of death, and Christ's promise to come again. But out of that sure promise, we can cultivate peace today beginning with the relationships formed as we sit around the table, as awkward and uncomfortable as it might be. The kingdom of God is justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We'll get to our kitchen tip in just a moment, but I want to take a quick break to tell you more about Edible Theology. 
Edible Theology is an educational media project helping you connect the communion table to the kitchen table. We offer Bible studies, bread baking workshops, and a digital community to help you meet God through food. If you are curious to learn more about the ways bread shows up all over scripture, you'll love Bake with the Bible, our six-week study on bread in the Gospels. Each week includes a family-friendly recipe and activity, discussion questions, and reading recommendations, as well as a scriptural and cultural historical lesson. We've got a children's version geared towards families that want to study together at the breakfast table, as well as a self-guided version for adults and teens looking to work through the program on their own. Bake with the Bible is available for download as soon as you complete your purchase, so it makes for a perfect Christmas present. Print it, bind it, and give it to the bread-loving people in your life this year. Buy your copy today on our website, www.edibletheology.com. Our kitchen tip today is for those who are unsure how to handle awkward conversations at the table. Are you hosting a meal that has the potential to get a bit uncomfortable? Trying to figure out how to make sure the conversation doesn't get totally derailed and end with families storming out of the house never to be spoken to again? I feel you. I've been there before. Start by acknowledging your own hopes or expectations for the day. Is your goal to avoid any tension or discomfort? Or is it just to avoid a total meltdown? Unfortunately, the discomfort might be inevitable. But that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Awkward silences, elevated voices, tense conversations, those can be signs that you're talking about issues important to the people who are present at the table. The discomfort is not exactly fun, but it doesn't have to be bad either. And it doesn't have to end in total breakdown. If appropriate, open the meal by acknowledging the potential for it to get uncomfortable and also your commitment to love and care for each other still. This doesn't mean suppressing any disagreement. It means committing to love each other through it. Second, identify one or two lighthearted points of common interest that can pull you all back together after those awkward or tense moments. Maybe it's playing the latest Taylor Swift album, knowing that a spontaneous dance party will break out. At least, that's what happens in my family. Maybe it's a game or a movie you all love, or sharing memories of a family member who has passed on. These points of common interest remind everyone present of the commitment you share to one another. And reminding you of your love for one another, they'll remind you of your commitment to seek understanding in the places where you differ. You might not get there in a day, And you might leave really hurt or angry, or even scared about what the people you care about believe. But these uncomfortable conversations, paired with reminders of your love and laughter together too, slowly bend and shape and soften your understanding of those who are closest to you. And now to close, a prayer for peace at an uncomfortable meal. God who sets a table in the presence of enemies, you hosted some awkward meals. You broached the elephant in the room saying, one of you will betray me. 
and one of you will deny even being my friend. You made your host uncomfortable by allowing the woman he called sinful to wash your feet with perfume and tears. You didn't opt for tranquility, but called out the injustice and made a way for true peace, breaking bread to remind the ones you'd rebuked that your love for them remains the same. Teach us to sit in discomfort while holding fast to love. Show us a way to care for the ones we do not understand and shape us into people who tend for them in their fear and in their pain. Amen. Kitchen Meditations is brought to you by Edible Theology, where the communion table meets the dinner table. Learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter at edibletheology.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at edibletheology. If you want to discuss this episode with other food-loving folks, then join our free community at community.edibletheology.com. We post discussion questions every Monday to keep the conversation going. A huge thank you to Hannah Hargrave and to our producers, Nick Thompson and Richard Clark at Area Code, who made this podcast possible. We would love it if you could rate and review us on iTunes, then share this episode with your friends. Your help ensures that others discover this podcast too.